With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. They moved it quickly, they moved it straight down the middle, and Ollie Florent can be a hero. He'll kick as the siren sounds. Oh, it's going to go as he kicks. He's had 32 disposals tonight, none more important than this, oh, and he oh, has that. kicked the goal. Oh, no, it's not scored. It's not scored. It's been right on the line. Florent is celebrating. Florent oh. is celebrating with his teammates, but it didn't make the distance. It didn't make and it. He's stunned. He can't believe it hasn't made it. Oh, dear. Who'd be an AFL commentator, eh? Whoops. He's kicked the goal. No, he hasn't. Thrilling finish to the Sydney versus Port Adelaide game. Of course, Sydney jumped out of the blocks. Port came at them hard. And Ollie Florent had the chance to win the game from behind him on the television. The kick was arrow straight and about 18 inches short of the line. Joining me on the show now is Code Sports Dan Cherney to talk about that and other results from on the East Coast this weekend. Dan, what was your highlight of the weekend? Oh, uh, look, there was a lot. I actually thought um, having 49,000 at Marvel Stadium on Friday for North Melbourne and Carlton, um, and, you know, it was a game that uh, mixed mixed game, I suppose, so to speak. It had some moments, had some uh, poor kicking at times, um, but I thought that just to get a massive crowd to North, I know they lost, but um, there was a lot to take away from them, and uh, it just was just a great occasion, and to see the kids out on the ground, uh, I thought that was that was probably the highlight for mine. That's a great call, actually, and I was going to ask you about this later on in the interview, but do we feel like we now have the formula right for, for North Melbourne on Good Friday, and that that's their marquee event, and that Carlton should be the opponent? I think so. I mean, I think when you look at uh, Queen's birthday, one of the biggest, now King's birthday, clearly, with Melbourne and Collingwood, um, and having one sort of relatively small Victorian club up against one of the, the big ones in Collingwood, and here we've got another example of that with North Melbourne and Carlton. I think that's the right mix. I know they tried with North and the Bulldogs a few times, North and St Kilda one year, Essendon had a go, so they're, they're a bigger club. But I think the idea of, of um, allowing a big Victorian club to play in the game, um, but to maximise the profit for a smaller Victorian club. And one in North Melbourne that, A, has been bereft of marquee games. Obviously, they were the innovators of Friday Night Football and it's really been, um, well, not, not that they had a birthright to it, but they don't get much of that anymore, certainly not while they're going the way they're going. And more to the point, um, you know, they were really innovators in pushing for the, for the Good Friday fixture. So I think it's, uh, it's the right mix. And I guess the other thing, of course, is when a Tasmanian team comes in, they're going to lose that, aren't they? So that's going to be um, that's going to be a problem for them financially. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they make a lot of money. Clearly, going down to Tassie, you've got a very strong partnership there. Um, so they're going to have to continue to find ways to innovate, um, as will everyone. I suppose uh, Gut Around is uh, one of the great. Uh, is probably no, no greater example of innovation in the chances. <laughs> boost the coffers of uh, the whole competition and then gather around. I just, you know, why not bring in an extra game where you make state government good for, uh, for a round of footy? Got a hands of the AFL in that respect. They, uh, they know how to 
uh, extract dollars. So, um, yeah, uh, I think, but, yeah, to, to put it to your point, North um, for the best that they get a, ga- a big game every year and then Good Friday's their one. Yeah, the risk of being cynical towards the AFL, the other thing I love about them is the way they get governments to build stadiums for them and then claim credit for the building of the stadium. I think the um, <laughs> the financial of the financial contribution of the AFL to the uh, the stadium in Perth, Optus Stadium, was at last check zero of the billion dollars construction and four or five hundred million dollars that went into transport infrastructure. But I keep hearing how Gil McLaughlin got the stadium built in uh, Western Australia. It it, uh, does make me chuckle rather ruefully. Hey, um, Ross Lyons St Kilda just keeps on chugging along and uh, remains on top of the ladder. Yeah, we have this discussion every week, it feels like, but um, they've done incredibly well, uh, Ross has, and, and the Saints generally. Uh, and look, there will be bigger tests to come. Uh, and they have played probably a, a mixed group of teams so far. I mean, the, the winning of the Bulldogs probably looks better and better, given the way the Bulldogs have gone the last couple of weeks. Um, Freo, probably that win probably doesn't look quite as good, given the way the Dockers are going. Um, and, and then Essendon and Gold Coast are sort of, um, you know, clearly not, probably not top eight sides at the moment, but all beat Essendon are in the top four. Uh, but, you know, you can only beat your play, and the Saints have played very well, and it looks sustainable. I mean, they're keeping opposition sides to really low scores. They, they were challenged early by Gold Coast, um, but they really turned it on the second and third terms in particular, um, you know, winning the contest, uh, spreading really well, defending really well, and they've got some um, some real excitement um, all over the ground, particularly uh, up forward, which is probably that area where they... Well, they look like particularly weak. And um, Mitch Owens, he, uh, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get the Rising Star nomination this week. He was outstanding. Um, clearly the best game of his career to date. And he, he's really um, on an upward curve. You know, they got him in the second round in 2021 out of their Next Generation Academy. Played a bit in the midfield last year. He's been thrown down forward almost out of necessity as much as anything. And he's playing as a sort of a mid-sized key forward. But he plays tall, he plays small, he's... Agile, he's skillful, he's got, you know, he's athletic. Um, it was an incredible highlight reel from him on, on Saturday night. So the Saints, they're going really well, but uh, a really interesting fortnight coming up for them with games against Collingwood and then Carlton. So that'll be, uh, that'll be the test. And, you know, if they can at least be competitive against both of those sides, then I think suddenly we have to take the guild seriously as a, as a... I think I think already they have to be taken as a top eight contender. And I think if they can run Carlton and Collingwood at least close and beat one of them, I think they're a top four contender. You know what I'm going to be fascinated by, Dan, is because we know that Ross Lyon is so tactically astute and defensively astute, I'm going to be fascinated to see how he goes about quelling Collingwood's ball movement. We saw Brisbane... Um, take a particular tack in doing it on the weekend on on Easter Thursday or before the weekend. Um, it'll be fascinating to see how Ross goes about trying to stop them. Yeah, it will be. Uh, and, and that will be a, a whole new challenge because Collingwood's ball movement, I have to say, is probably the best in the competition or, or if not the best, then, then very close to it. Um, and there's so much run there off, off half-back. And I must say, at Ross over the years, that was one sort of Speed tended to be the um, the way to get Ross Lyon coach teams. Certainly at St Kilda, you might uh, you, you probably would have seen a lot more of, of them at Freo than um, of, of his Freo side. Certainly his early St Kilda side. I know Carlton actually when they had um, the likes of 
of uh, Yarran and, and Garlet and, and that ilk of player, they, they really would tend to get them. And, and so um, it's going to be a challenge for us uh, because it's probably not, a, not quite as easy to structure up against a team like Collingwood who, who challenge you with such speed. And the Saints might almost need to um, try to get that back at them and just try to get them on the, on the turner, which, you know, to be fair, they have proven to be very adept at doing so or reasonably get to doing so so far this year. So, no, it, it shows us a fascinating uh, game and, and, you know, Ross has never been averse from giving um, major defensive roles to, to guys and, and Nick Dacos on the back of another 38-2. and two. Uh, He, he you'd imagine, is going to get a fair bit of attention from um, one of uh, St Kilda's defensive ties, probably, you know, whether it's someone like a Marcus Windhager or, or even uh, they throw Liam Stocker forward to play a forward-tagging role or, or something like that. That's a good call. And um, Nick Dacos, interesting one, isn't it? There was a bit of conjecture about him not going as hard as he should have gone at a contest. But gee whiz, I'll take 38-2, and two, and particularly his role around the stoppages when Collingwood got back into that game for a while against Brisbane on Thursday night. So I think class is class, and Nick Dacos has class. And you're right, be very surprised if Ross doesn't have someone paying very close attention to him uh, this weekend. Hey, what do you make of Brisbane? Uh Lions at home and pussies away, you'd have to say. And um, the, the the lion came out and roared again on Thursday night against the Pies. Yeah, it did. It is Jekyll and Hyde, really. It's uh, and look, their record at home over an extended period. Now, I saw a stat. I think it's thirty nine and seven since the start of twenty nineteen at the Gabba. And you know, some of those losses are very narrow. A few of those narrow finals defeats to the Bulldogs, to the Giants. Um, a couple of others that have sort of been noteworthy for other cases. They lost to Essendon last year when they were COVID ravaged. Um, you know, they were very good. Midfield was really good. Defence held up pretty solidly. Forward line was up and about. Joe Danaher was played well. Charlie Cameron, obviously. Cameron, after playing at half track, moving forward was outstanding. And, you know, you do wonder whether that, um, that experiment might, might be pretty short lived, the defensive one to, to him. Um, but I mean, it's hard to trust them um, for. Well, for several reasons, particularly the away record, and we just see how how flaky they can be. And because we've seen them in finals over an extended period where they just haven't been able to get it done consistently. Unfortunately for them, you know, it just does shape as another year where we're just going to have to wait, and they're just going to have to, you know, ride it out, grit their teeth, just try to notch up as many wins as possible, get into the top four, and and, and see how we go again. And you know, that's easier said than done. Top the top four is not. Uh, not straightforward. Um, there's, there's plenty of challenges. So, uh, look, they're very good, but um, I don't think, you know, I think there are, um, you know, we just don't know yet. Um, they should beat North in the Adelaide Hills on, on Saturday, but uh, they're going to sort of try to notch up a few of those comfortable wins against teams like that. But, uh, no, there's, there's a lot of question marks still. I wonder whether the home and away thing for the Queensland teams is a bit bigger than for other teams, Daniel. Um, Having covered a lot of footy from outside of Melbourne as well as covering football from inside of Melbourne in my stints there, um, there is a big difference. And I wonder whether because of the climate in Queensland, the changes they face when they play away as as against at home and also the changes that the teams that go there to play them face when they go there to play those games as well um, make their home ground advantage more significant and their away disadvantage more significant. And I'm talking about the Gold Coast and Brisbane here because, let's face it, Gold Coast are incredibly underwhelming out of Brisbane, out of uh, Queensland. I think you say at times they're pretty underwhelming <laughs> on the Gold Coast as well. But 
Um, but no, you're, you're right. And I think there's, um, yeah, I, I was talking to someone about this the other day and they were, they were sort of suggesting that there's a bit of a north-south, sort of it's harder to travel north-south um, because of the changes in climate and, you know, you're closer to, to, to the equator and that. Um, you know, look, I, I don't profess to be a, a meteorological expert, but um, there might be something to that, but I suppose if you're, if you're travelling east-west, now we know the tyranny of distance for the West Australian clubs over the journey and how hard that is, spending so much time in the air, but perhaps in terms of the actual cl- the actual climates are probably mo- most different between Brisbane and, and, and Melbourne or, or, or Adelaide or Perth or wherever compared to, say, um, you know, Melbourne and Adelaide, as you see historically, um, the, you know, the Crows have probably been reasonably good, well, probably not in their early days of the competition, but they've been reasonable travellers, Port Adelaide too, um, hasn't been quite as hard to win in Adelaide necessarily and has been in Brisbane over the journey, um, and, and you're right, Gold Coast, admittedly from a much lower base, but their, their form is um, is pretty poor in Melbourne uh, relative to their, their form at home at, uh, at Carrara. Richmond and the Dogs, what did you make of that? Are you a buyer on the Dogs and are you a seller at Richmond? I, I think from memory in our previous discussions, you haven't been as bullish about the Tigers um, as some others, and I'm a bit the same, but um, they look to be in a bit of trouble now, particularly with the Tom Lynch injury. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I was not particularly bullish on Richmond, even less so now. Um, from what I've seen of them, they've been look a bit like they were last year. The best was reasonable and, and pretty good, but their worst is pretty average. And I just don't think they have enough consistent game winners. I think yeah, all the things we've spoken about, and we saw it with the management of Jack Revolt and the um, demotion, I suppose, of Trent Cotchins in the sub role. You know, their, their champions are on their last legs in many respects. Uh, now Lynch, I mean, he's their most important player, I think, clearly. Um, and, he, and he's going to be out for an extended period, you'd imagine, with his broken foot and, and his suspension. Uh, and I think, um, I just don't think there's enough there. I think Toronto and Hopper don't move the needle enough. Um, you know, I, I think they'll be competitive, but I don't think they're going to completely fall away from what I've seen. But I just don't think they're, they're right up there with the top sides. Um, you know, they need more out of Dustin Martin. Clearly, if they're going to contend, they need him to be a close enough. To, they need him back, back, being back to an A grade, and they need Shade Bolton to be an A plus player. Um, and, and, and they need Tom Lynch fit and firing. And at the moment, you know, they're not really getting any of those three. So, um, maybe with the exception of Bolton, but even he's been a bit hit and miss early in the season. So, yeah, no, I'm not overly bullish. The Bulldogs, oh, they're just a classic up and down side, as they have been for so much of it. Senior under Luke Beveridge, so they play on emotion. Um, you know, the best is scintillating and, and gritty and their worst can be diabolical. Um, you know, I suppose they're back in the season now at 2-2 two and two and um, can, can get a bit of a foothold, um, albeit with a couple of challenging away games to come. Uh, but, you know, all credit to Tom Libertore in particular. He was so, you know, inspirational in that win. Um, and they were conditions suited to him. But, and I think the other guy that's sort of floating under the radar a bit is Timmy Wish. Um, and he has been, he started the season in, Really, really good form in the rock, and he might finally have sort of come of age after a, a sort of a long um, development period. And he's been a bit of a frustrating player of the journey. Uh, you know, he's not necessarily a conventional ruckman in terms of being a great cap player, but um, he, he's really making a big impact around the ground, and, and this could be his year in English. Jake Stringer doesn't look overly fit but uh, can still put on a show and can still kick a torpedo. What did you make of uh, Jake's four goals to uh, get Essendon the win? 
Oh, look, it was classic stringer, wasn't it? It was sort of, uh, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly. It was, what, a kick 4-6. Um, he, can, he can tend to butcher it a bit. Uh, both disposal from inside and uh, even when he kicks the ball inside 50 and then when he's actually in, um, shooting the goal himself. But, you know, clearly turned it on. Um, massive influence on the game. A um, couple of brilliant moments, in particular the chalk. Um, and a couple of um, other really nice finishes. Look, the reason people are so concerned about Jake, well, there's so much discussion about Jake Stringer. You know, if he couldn't play, then no one would worry about you know the stuff that he, <laughs> the, the, the lack of training intensity and the injuries and the, the soft tissue stuff and the, and, and not being as a good a preparer as, as many others in the league. But because he's such an incredible natural talent, that's why people get so frustrated. And Jake Stringer is now in his, what are we now? And he's eleventh uh, year in the AFL, so yep. he is what he is. Like he's going to be, he's going to have games like this where he's, you know, a brilliant player. Um, I don't trust him to do it consistently. I think um, he, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. Um, but he can still play a, a really key impact at time. Have a really key impact at times. And um, look, if Essendon can get, get their act together and and um, push for the top eight, which I'm not sure they're right they're there yet, but you know they're three and one and they're started recently solidly, then Jack Stringer is always going to be a player that opposition sides are going to be at least a little bit worried about because we know he can turn it on. You off to gather around in Adelaide this weekend, Dan? I'm not actually, uh, so I'm not to be watching that from from uh, from home. It's uh, there's plenty plenty of others there doing um, covering it uh, very well, but uh, no, I'll be watching watching plenty of it. Uh, a little bit, uh, you, know, I, you know, I really I get this, people say this, I oh, just a windy Victorian. Uh, and I, I can see that, uh, that criticism, but a little bit disappointing that Collingwood and St Kilda is going to be at Adelaide Oval, just just because, particularly from a St Kilda's perspective, like the Saints haven't made the finals since 2011, uh, with the exception of 2020, where they, the, the finals were in, Bruce, were, were in Queensland. You know, and so they haven't played a final in Melbourne since 2011. Um, this probably would have been their biggest game in Victoria in that time. And they don't play Collingwood again this season. So it's just, look... They have to fix just someone there. Um, it's just a little bit of a shame that you get um, the one-time Collingwood to sort of play in the home and away season this year. It's like them going really well. It's at Adelaide Oval on a Sunday twilight when you could get, could get 75,000 at the MCG. But, no, I think it'll be a really good round. I, I get the reason the AFL doing it. Um, you know, I think the South Australian public will turn it on. And, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing it. But we've got, uh, got Geelong and Hawthorne the day before that, so I'll be there and... Um, it's a massive day for the Cats because uh, they are really under the pump. Yep, 17th versus 18th. Who would have thought that at the start <laughs> of the season? Dan, thank you so much for joining us and thank you always for your insights on the show and uh, we look forward to more of your stuff as the season goes on. No worries, Duff. Good on you. Dan Cherney from Code Sports. Uh, if you want to have your say on anything he's had to say, it is the Temperate Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. We're going to be reading out a lot of them in the last half hour of the show. We'll take a break and be back with more after the break.